This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, it is a long-time dream for many Canadians to be able to order alcohol from another province and have it shipped to you. Cross-border alcohol trade is a hot topic, but it may have, just may have, gotten a little bit closer to being a reality. The federal government took steps this week to remove the federal requirement that alcohol moving from one province to another has to go through a provincial liquor authority. Once that passes, theoretically, provinces and territories could then make changes to allow direct-to-consumer shipping. Can you imagine that? I don't know. Seems kind of hard, right? Shay Colson is with us now to talk more about this. He's a lawyer and partner at Denton's Canada. Thank you so much for joining us, Shay. Thanks for having me. Do you think this is a significant step forward? Um, not really, uh, because we already know that it's the provincial laws that have been the problem. So the federal law already had a personal use exemption previously that allowed individuals to ship uh, Canadian-made uh, products across provincial borders for their personal use, um, subject to the laws of the provinces. So that didn't really spur any changes whatsoever. Uh, now that the federal government has completely removed all regulation of interprovincial shipments of liquor, whether it's Canadian or not, um, it's still in the province's court to do something about uh, the barriers because it's really the provincial laws that create barriers. Right. So the thing that prevents us from ordering a case of wine from another province and having it delivered are provincial laws. That's right. Um, so everyone probably remembers the Free the Beer Como case, um, which, uh, in full disclosure, I was counsel on that case. Um, but what the court said in that case was that the provinces have jurisdiction to control the supply of liquor within the province. And so in that case, there was a provincial law that said, you know, you as an individual cannot possess liquor in New Brunswick unless it is acquired from the provincial liquor monopoly. So the court said that, yes, that had an impact on interprovincial trade, but that that was only incidental and therefore the law was permitted. And so it's those kinds of laws, which exist in every single province, um, that prohibit the, uh, the, inter- the interprovincial direct-to-consumer shipments so we still need the provinces to, you know, from a legal perspective, we need them to amend their frameworks and come up with a national plan. But if the now the federal government has done away with their requirement to purchase alcohol through the provincial liquor authority, so do you think this could potentially get the ball rolling? Well, from a practical perspective, it's interesting, right? So legally, no, but practically, it puts a bit of onus on the provinces to combat what may develop as a result otherwise, right? So for instance, you know, what if you're a business operating outside of British Columbia, like a retailer or something, and you ship wine directly into British Columbia now? So the federal law, if if the amendment passes, the federal law is gone. So there is nothing prohibiting the actual shipment. And then how is the receiving province supposed to enforce its law against you if you're an out-of-province business? Now, it's still illegal, right? And so, you know, like, as a lawyer, I would never advise that, but I'm thinking practically what may, might happen. And so there's a, there's a real sort of um, onus, I guess, on the provinces to think ahead, and I think the, the federal government wants them to come up with a framework 
where you're going to allow interprovincial shipments where you may have a revenue sharing or tax sharing agreement between the provinces so that revenues are not lost to create legitimate legal channels for this kind of flow of goods. Right. So once the government has, if, you know, they could go ahead and pass this bill, then is it possible the provincial laws could be challenged in any way? Uh, no, I don't think so because of the Como case. Um, it, it made it clear that the laws that support the monopolies are constitutional. What I do think, though, is that when you get down into the granular detail of how a government monopoly actually operates, like so, for example, you know, if you if you sell a product in the monopoly system, you have to get a listing, and there's all sorts of procedural requirements. So you can actually go down to that granular level and see if there are policies that are making it extremely difficult, if not impossible, for out-of-province, say, wineries to access the market effectively when in-province wineries can do so. And I think the combination of the Como case and this amendment to the federal law does allow for potential challenges to those kinds of policies. But the bigger laws, the ones that actually enable the policies to exist, those are going to stay on the books. So then why do you think provinces are so resistant to doing this? Uh, There's a number of reasons. So British Columbia is not resistant, for example, because we have a strong uh, domestic industry. Uh, Ontario and Quebec are fiercely protective of their revenues. There's also, you have to remember that the, um, uh, the employees of these monopolies are unionized, right? So there are unions who are seeking to protect their members' interests as well, who have influence with some governments, especially in Quebec. Um, and then there's provinces like Alberta that, you know, despite the rhetoric earlier on their sort of the wine war with BC when we were looking at Trans Mountain, uh, they actually had a case recently where they were subsidizing their uh, local craft beer industry and they lost a case where Como was applied to their case because it was a discriminatory sub, uh, uh, subsidy. So now, instead of appealing that case, they've decided to take the battle elsewhere and they're going after Ontario subsidies. So there's actually a mix of attitudes right now. And I would suggest that Western Canada is more open to um, a national market and creating a national framework, and Eastern Canada is very resistant to it. So it'll be interesting to see what develops, and certainly it's possible for some but not all of the provinces to come up with an agreement. I find this so interesting because this is something that would be incredibly, I think, popular among people, right? And yet all these provincial elections that happen and nobody says, I'm going to make this happen. They promise a whole bunch of other stuff, like a buck of beer or whatever in Ontario, but not this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. But um, you have to remember in Ontario and Quebec that uh, being able to buy wine from BC is not really a big election issue, right? And they don't really, it, it's not the same as it is out here, right? So it's easier for the governments there to, as you say, promise a bucket beer, which didn't work, or um, say wine and beer in grocery stores or corner stores like they're doing in Ontario right now. is a, That's a more of a populist measure than saying to most people, oh, yeah, you can order craft wine from British Columbia. Because we also know that most people, when it comes to liquor, most people purchase it within a few hours of consuming it. So this sort of online market is very niche, and that means that politically it's niche as well, unless you're producing province like British Columbia, where the population is very proud of the industry that has developed here. Right. So we have a big incentive to want to remove these Mm -hmm. barriers, but other provinces perhaps not as much. Exactly. So then you're not holding out much hope that this is going to move that needle. Um, Not initially. I think that 
I do think that BC will try to use this to push for further negotiations. But again, it really depends on the willingness of the other provinces to do something. Um, I hope that they would, because in the Como case, one of the arguments that, say, for example, Ontario and Quebec made was, don't, Supreme Court of Canada, don't change the law, because really this is the job of the provinces to negotiate through our interprovincial trade deals. So. Right. Uh, if you're going to say that to the court, I hope that there's some truth to it and that we actually will see efforts. Uh, but again, this has been talked about for many, many years and nothing has changed. So I think the federal government is saying, you know, look, the ball's in your court now. We're going to remove all restrictions, commercial, personal, Canadian-made, non-Canadian-made. We're out of the game. You guys fix this. Well, we'll see what happens. Shay, thank you so much for explaining it to us. Yeah, no problem. That is Shay Colson, partner at the Dentons Canada Law Firm, talking about cross-border alcohol trade.